excited about that. Well, today, I've been working on this sermon for a while, and uh, excited about it, looking forward to what God's going to do at the end of this service, because they teach me to build sermons backwards. What is the results you want from this sermon? Well, each sermon is pretty much the same as far as that goes because you want to see lives changed at the altars. You want to see the Word of God impact your life to where you want to come to the altar and talk to God. Seal that sermon with prayer with God. And so today, that's the same thing we would like to see happen. So I want you to open your hearts and open your minds to the Word of God and what He has to say today. We're going to be reading in the book of Genesis, chapter 50. I'm reading from the New King James Version, and I think somewhere along in this sermon I have God's Word version in here. Sometimes I just like God's Word. It's just plain, just like I am. It just speaks plain to me, and I, I like to stick it in there once in a while. Would you stand with me in reverence to the reading of the Word of God? Genesis chapter 50, verse number 15 it said, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin. For they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am, I am in the place of God. Actually, he said that into a question. He said, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. In order to bring it about, it, it about as it is this day, to save many lives. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You can be seated. I want to pray today. We're going to talk about Joseph for a little bit. As I pray, I want you to pray for me. I have the title of my sermon today, Not Your Average Joe. Father, I'm asking you today, Lord, to anoint me with the power of the Holy Ghost. Father, it's an indwelling in my spirit, Lord. This word burns in my heart today. I ask you today, Lord, let me speak the words you want me to say. I ask you, Lord, to open our eyes and ears to see and to hear what you're saying to us today. God, I'm asking you, Lord, for the anointing. Your spirit is welcome in this place, Father. I can feel your presence already. Would you rest upon each one of us, Lord, as we receive the meat of the word? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you have ever walked into a grocery store or Walmart and someone was handing out free samples? Have you ever been to Sam's? Every time I walk in there, there's somebody giving something away. And so you, you know, a lot of times I'm walking through like this. You don't want to, you know, they have a cell phone. They want you to, 
to try their new plan. They're, there's always, they're giving you something free to try. Free samples. I will admit, though, at times I've went in hungry. <laughs> I think they can sense that in me. They're like, oh, no, the big boy's hungry today. <laughs> and so I take the free sample. I do. I take the free sample. One time, I was so hungry, I went back for seconds. You should have seen the look I got that. And she's like, really? Here's the toothpick. You get another one. They don't like that. Don't you hate it when they make you feel guilty? I mean, this is their job to give out free samples, and you go to get one, they're just like, isn't that what this is for? They make you feel guilty. It's their job to give out free samples. But it may not be what they chose to do. Man, I just want to work at Sam's or Walmart or whatever, and here I am having to give out free samples. I would rather stock shelves than give out free samples. That's the way they act sometimes. As Christians, we need to be giving out free samples. Free samples of God's love. Yesterday. Yesterday was such an awesome day. You know what? And Pastor didn't hardly have to do anything. That even made it greater. No, I, I had a very busy day. Uh, we, had, we had school in the morning, and I got off, drove here, literally drove to the house, got a shower, come back, and Peyton got married uh, right here at, at 2 o'clock. Peyton was married. Just keep saying Peyton. I'm not going to say which Peyton. And uh, I said that the other day, and everybody's like, Peyton got married? Peyton Emmert. Peyton Emmert got married. And um, so anyway, we had the wedding here yesterday, and then at 4 o'clock we started the, the event and I was still working and studying, doing different things. And so we were, we were out here showing the love of Christ. We had bounce houses everywhere. Matter of fact, I, I took a, a few minutes and went out there and I played nine holes of golf. We had the, the little golf course set up and I played nine holes and it was terrible. I had one hole in one and most of them took four shots to get in. I'm just like, this, this is terrible. But uh, we were showing the love of God. We didn't charge anybody anything. We had... Uh, food ready for them. We had, uh, I don't know, all sorts of things. The snow cones, and they had ice cream and cake and chocolate on it and nachos and uh, just all sorts of, of things just to give away. And you're like, why? I want people to know this church and know this is a church that loves people. It always doesn't work this way, but I hope it does. When they walk in these doors, they feel the love of Christ. When they come to that front door and they see our greeters and they say, Man, this is nice. They're making me feel welcome. They're, they're loving on me. Look at this candy. I want them to enjoy their experience here. I want them to know that this is a place that God's presence dwells. I want them to know that this is a place where God's love flows through his people. We need to be given free samples of God's love in our life. In our text, Joseph had a choice to give out free samples or not. How many knows he made the right choice? How many knows the story of Joseph? I'm going to go through it here in a little bit, but I, will, I think most of us know that. But Joseph was not your average Joe. You think, oh, pastor, it's a pun. Puns intended today. Joseph was not your average Joe. He did things that, can I admit it and just say probably, I would have failed at what Joseph went through. I would have failed and did some things different. You know, when I got out of that pit, I'd been hunting my brothers down. I mean... There have been some things different I would have done. But he's not your average Joe. Joseph was willing to recognize that even when somebody did him wrong, no matter who it was, 
friends, your boss, or in Joseph's case, family? How many has ever been done wrong by a family member? I thought I was the only one. How many has ever been done by somebody that's sitting right next to you? Oh, nobody's brave enough for that one, aren't they? I can't do that. I got to go home with her. Oh, and I got one back here, Kim and her sister, Tanya. Oh, we got sisters back here, same thing. They've been mean to me. They're sitting by me today. Joseph was done wrong. How many agree with that? Joseph was done wrong. He was done wrong. How many know that God can and will turn everything to his good? And we don't necessarily, the, the things that we don't necessarily think that's good. Some of the bad things in our life, we think there's no way God can do anything good out of this. We can't see it. I know this much. Some of the worst situations in my life, when I get past it down the road, and sometimes it's years down the road, then I realize God's hand was in the middle of that, and I hated it. I'm being transparent. you got a pastor that's telling the truth. you got to be saying, thank God we have a pastor that doesn't lie to us. I hated it. It was bad. It was terrible. I didn't don't like it. But once I got past it, I realized, bad as I hate to admit it, God was using that for his good and my good. How many knows when it's his good, it's our good too? It is. It's our good too. He gives us grace to bring us through things. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, my grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for us. That means it's exactly what you need. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's exactly what you need. I have car problems sometimes. It happens when you drive old cars. And it happens when you have a wife named Shelly. She borrowed my car yesterday, and she came and brings it back. She goes, the air conditioner's not working. <laughs> what did you do? But you know, if something's broke like that, and if you can go fix it and go find the part, Brother Jerry, if you know what the part is, and you go fix it, you don't feel bad about spending the money. You go, oh, parts wear out. You just fix whatever. But when you fix that, and then that's still not the problem, that's so frustrating. That's so aggravating. You're like, I just spent $120 on this, and it didn't fix it, and i got to spend another 50 on this. I gotta... And you go down the line. Now, none of this happened. I'm just saying this is from past experiences on another car where her air conditioner wasn't working. But it's frustrating. But it's so awesome to know that God's grace is exactly what you need. It's exactly enough. And that's what's going to fix your problem. That's what's going to help you walk through the situation. That's what's going to determine the outcome of your situation. But it's there. God's there. His grace is sufficient for us. God's looking for people that's not your average Joe's. To give out free samples of his love, his grace, his mercy. But the problem with this particular free sample, not everyone wants to participate. Not everyone wants to participate in what Joseph went through. And the free samples that Joseph, I just, I, spoiler alert, the, the free samples Joseph gave out was forgiveness. Yeah, 
I heard this years ago, and I still believe it to this day, the definition of the word average. Average means you're the best of the worst and the worst of the best. Did you find a graphic for that, Peyton? The best of the worst and the worst of the best. Average. Do you get it? You're the best of the worst. The worst is way down there, but, but you're average. You're, you're right there in the middle. So, so you're the best of the worst ones, but you're the worst of the best ones. So many people, they're happy to be average. We're not called to be average. We're not called to be average at all. The Urban Dictionary says that an average Joe is an ordinary person or citizen. We're not ordinary. We're not, we're not supposed to be just the ordinary citizen. God did not call us to become ordinary people. Did he? King James Version of 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a particular people. I just like saying particular. You're a particular people. But that's not the word it says. Peculiar. I like particular better. Peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A chosen generation made up of all who have accepted Christ. A royal priesthood, Christ is king and the high priest due to, due to him being in us. All right, we understand this. We as well are kings and priests. You think, well, that's just thinking too highly of ourselves to call ourselves that. I have scripture to back that up. Revelations 1 and 6, he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So now you know, you're kings and priests. Everybody understand that? Well, that was the meat of the word right there. Elementary, but it's meat of the word. A holy nation means a multitude of people of the same nature. Wow. Peculiar people means... Each saint or each Christian is God's unique possession. How many setting by somebody that's unique? We might call them strange, but they're unique. Unique, God's unique possession. Just as if that saint were the only human being in existence. That unique. The phrase peculiar people in 1 Peter 2 and 9 comes from the King James Version is not seen in the more modern version, the translations or anything like that. This is because at the time the King James Version was translated, the word peculiar was often used to refer to something belonging to someone as in someone's property. You're someone's property. I'm not talking to your husband, your wife, your mom or dad. You're Christ. If you're born again, if you're living in his grace, you're peculiar and you're someone's property. If we look up the word peculiar in the dictionary today, we would still see that, it, it, that that's still one of the several meanings this word can have. Probably the most common usage of the word peculiar today is referring to someone or something that is strange, odd, or uncommon. I would say most everybody in here is, could fit them categories. Other meanings tell us that this word describes something or someone that belongs exclusively to some person, group, or thing. I want that said of me. He belongs to Christ. 
I can see that he belongs to Jesus. I can see that where the blood has changed him. I can see where God's power and his presence has changed him. He's not the same man he used to be. Hallelujah. We shouldn't be the same people that we, are, that we were before. Or, listen to this, or it refers to property or privilege belonging exclusively or characteristically to a person. Man, that blesses me whether it blesses you or not. How many belong to God today? I just described you. I just described you. The original meaning in the Greek words translated peculiar in 1 Peter 2 and 9 is indeed what this passage means. We're to be the character of Christ. We're peculiar. We're exclusive. We're unique in God's eyes. In our text, we see the free samples that Joseph was giving out was forgiveness. I mentioned earlier that Joseph had a choice to make. Will he forgive or will he hold a grudge? Free samples of forgiveness. I could have named it that too, I guess. Listen, Joseph was at the age 17, was hated by his brothers. Why? Because Joseph was their father's favorite. Did your dad have a favorite? I can honestly say that I'm dad's favorite, so that this doesn't bother me, but I know some of my siblings, but this may bother. They're going to watch this later and say, I'm true. Jacob made Joseph a special robe with long sleeves, and we call it the coat of many colors. How many learned that in Sunday school? The coat of many colors. Joseph's brothers hated him because of the dreams that God gave him. You ever had somebody hate you because God's doing something in your life? God give you a word. God give you a house. God give you a blessing. And somebody hates on you for it. Don't be a hater. He dreamed. He was in a field. And while he was tying up his bundle of grain together, his bundle stood up and his brother's bundles bowed down to his. He told his brothers this dream and they hated him for it. They hated him for it. This is where God's word comes in. God's word, Genesis 37 and 9 says, Then Joseph had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. I think he should have learned after the first dream. Don't talk to your brothers about your dreams. Listen, he said, I had another dream. I saw the sun and moon and 11 stars bowing down to me. When he told his father and his brothers, his fathers criticized him by asking, What's this dream you had? Will you, will, will you and your, uh, or will your mother and I and your brothers come and bow down in front of you? What are you talking about, Joseph? You're so high and mighty, we're going to come and bow down to you? So his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept thinking about these things. Jacob had an inkling. He kept thinking about this. Later on, Jacob sends Joseph out to check on his brothers. His brothers were so mad at him that when they saw him coming from a distance, they decided, here comes that little punk. We're fixing to kill him. Here comes that little dreamer. We're going to kill him. We're going to kill this dude. I'm tired, man. Look at all of us. We can take this little scrawny guy. We're, we're going to take him and kill him. That's what they were going to do. They stripped him down. Well, before we kill him, let's embarrass him. Let's strip him down. Strip him down. Let's throw him into a pit. That sounds like a good idea. Before we kill him, let's put him in a big pit. And then they reconsidered. They said, well, let's not kill him. They decided it would be better to just sell him instead of murdering 
had to cover up the murder. You know, it just becomes a problem when you have to cover up a murder. And so let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. That will be rid of him. He'll be gone. We don't have to worry about him anymore. From the pit, he was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was sold to Potiphar, and Potiphar saw that the hand of the Lord was on him. Now, before all this, and I may mention it again here in the sermon. I don't remember now. But uh, they take his, his coat of many colors. What do they do? They, they, they kill one of the lambs. They put blood all over it. They take it back to Jacob, and they said, Is this your son's coat? <laughs> Is this my brother's coat right here, Dad, with all this blood all over? You see it's gushing with blood on this coat. Hmm, what could have happened? Hmm. Deceiving the father into thinking he was killed by an animal. And Jacob was mourning about him. In the meanwhile, you know, these Ishmaelites took Joseph and they sold him to Potiphar and and Potiphar, you know, he, he's seen that the Lord's blessing Joseph. And so what does he do? He puts him in charge of everything in his house. So Potiphar elevated Joseph, put him in charge of his whole house and everything in his hand. But Potiphar's wife couldn't keep her hands off Joseph. You know, some of you know what that's like, don't you? Just can't, can't, you just have to beat the women off. You have to beat the men. They're just all after you. That's what I felt like when I was a teenager. <laughs> now they're just beating me, saying, get away from me. What are you? Get? She couldn't keep her hands off of him. He must have been good looking. He must have been good looking. He was what most men, but here's what Joseph did. He did what most men wouldn't do. He resisted her advances. Wow. Did he really go there? Yes, I did. All you got to do is just pat a guy and went, well, you look handsome in this. She must want me. <laughs> You look very nice in that situation. Well, she must be attracted to me. <laughs> Can I speak truth? Come on, folks. Don't get quiet now. That's the way men are. Guess what? Joseph is not your average Joe, though. Time and again, he resisted. And the last time she made advances, Joseph ran out from her, clutching his clothes. She realized that he was never going to bed with her, so she begins to lie. It made her so mad. What's wrong with me? I'm good looking. Why does he want me? Joseph was a higher standard. He had, every, he had control of everything but that woman. And he wasn't going to touch that woman because he knew he had sinned against God. Potiphar came home and his wife began to lie to him and say that that Hebrew boy you brought in here has tried to get me in bed with him. And I refused and screamed. And so he ran out. And looky here. This is the proof I've got his coat. I used to teach this in the youth. And I said, you may be in a situation right now that things are not going wrong. And you find out you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes you have to run and get away from that problem. There's no shame in running from sin. Get away from sin. Take yourself. The Bible tells us to stay away from sin. I've got the coat here, Potiphar. Look what Joseph, he was in here. Would that make any husband angry? I would say yes. Like, what, what in the world's going on here? So Potiphar, he puts Joseph in the king's prison. And this is enough for me to give up right here. I'm Joseph, okay? Hey, my dad loves me. He, he buys me this, or he, he makes me this coat. And I'm just checking on my brother. First of all, I was obedient to my dad. He said, you know, I, I'll go down there and check on him, dad. And so he goes down there. And what do they do? Because they don't like my dreams, they throw me in a pit. 
I could hear them talking. They wanted to kill me. But they decided not to because they didn't want to cover up murder. So uh, they sold me to these people. And now here I am. And I think, well, the Lord's going to bless me through this. And he does. And now I've got a woman lying on me. And here I am in prison. I'm done, God. Just kill me. Just kill me. One time I had a kidney stone. I laid on the ottoman. I said, God, take this pain away or just kill me. I'm done. I can't take anymore. Shelly's over there, you big baby. I birthed three kids with kidney stones. That was enough for me. I'm, I'm ready to give up right there. But Joseph is not your average Joe. He's not going to give up. Joseph with the natural eye seemed as though he couldn't catch a break. It had to be discouraging for Joseph. Joseph isn't just a story in the Bible. This is a real human being we're talking about today. Put yourself in them situations. I don't believe I'm as good as Joseph. I don't. He was a real human being. Sometimes we read these stories and think, oh, that's just a story in the Bible. It's not a real story. This is a real man we're talking about. God's showing him his dreams. Getting all excited because of what God's showing him. He knows it's from God. He, he knows these dreams. And he's interpreting dreams. He knows these dreams. God's giving him a gift. And it makes everybody else mad. What, what's with this, God? You give me a gift and it's making people mad. It's not fair to be stripped down and thrown into a pit. I remember getting beat up one time. I did. I didn't take too many beatings when I was a kid. I got beat up one time. I was playing catch after church. It was dark outside. We was right out in front of the church. And we was under the light. And we was playing baseball and playing catch. And all of a sudden they threw one. I'm sure it had to be a bad throw because I catch everything. But it gets past me and over into the dark. I run over there to get my baseball. Went down to pick it up, and all of a sudden somebody grabbed me. I looked up, and I was like, it was the meanest, ugliest people I've ever seen in my life. Is my cousins. And they began to beat me up. Because they was out there smooching on their girlfriends, and they thought I was over there spying. I wasn't spying. I was getting my baseball. I was like, no. I walk out there, and my other cousins, I was playing catch, but I come stumbling out from the darkness into the light, and they go, what happened to you? And I, I got beat up. I, it's just a lesson learned. Never chase your baseball into the dark. Joseph didn't deserve the treatment his brothers put him through. Not only that, they sold him into slavery. A man free to come and go as he pleased, and now he's a servant of people he doesn't even know. Not knowing what was going to happen to him, Joseph was carried off to Egypt, only to be sold again. I believe uh, there was a loss of enthusiasm. There had to be. He's human. There had to be a loss of enthusiasm. A discouragement had to be at his door. Dejection, depression, all these things had to be sitting right there with him. He had choices to make even then. How am I going to react to this? Was he so dumb he didn't know that it wasn't fair what was happening? Absolutely not. He knew exactly what was happening to him was not right. It was not fair. But he kept trusting. He kept trusting in God. Just when things are looking up and God is blessing his efforts and keeping a right spirit in him, someone starts spreading rumors that are not true about him. As a matter of fact, the rumors are downright lies. False accusations, the very opposite of truth. And he's thrown into prison for something he didn't do, didn't deserve, and wasn't at the least bit fair to Joseph. 
Guess what? He's not your average Joe. He's not your average Joe. Joseph is in prison for a crime he didn't commit. I'm sure any of us that have experienced what Joseph would have experienced, I don't think we would have acted the same way. I hope we would have acted this way. I hope we would have had the right spirit. But have you ever been done wrong? Have you ever been falsely accused of something? Wondering why this ever happened to me? In the natural eye, Joseph had every right to be upset and mad and angry. He had every right to be depressed, discouraged, and despondent. Joseph had some of the worst experiences that could be done to someone, but yet he found a way to keep the right attitude and the right spirit about him. He had to forgive. He had to forgive. Even when things are not going our way, we can choose to keep the right spirit about us. We can choose to do the right things. Even when we're being done wrong, we have a choice to make. We can let it eat us up and kill us. Or we can go to God like Job did. Listen to Job 13 and 15. Though he slay me, though he kills me, he's talking about God. Even if God kills me, I'm going to trust him. I am going to love him so much. I'm going to trust him so much. I don't care what I go through. I'm going to keep trusting him. He knows what's best for me. Even when I don't understand, even when it's not fair, even when I didn't deserve it, I'm going to trust God. When things go wrong for us, we always try to figure out exactly what happened. Where, where did it go wrong? Whose fault was it? That's the big thing now today. Whose fault was it? This past Saturday was Drew's fault. I owned it. I've been instructed over and over, don't book anything on your own. Go through the secretary. And Drew booked everything on his own, and it happened to be on the same day. It was my fault. Most of the time when things go wrong, we don't want to admit it's our fault. Could I have did something? Could I have done something? Funny story, last night, Shelly went to Sonic. While she's in Sonic, somebody got impatient behind her, pulled out, went to spinning the wheels, drifted, and slammed into one of them little things and just tore up their truck. So funny. That's the pastor's wife. That's so funny. He didn't deserve to be in that line behind Shelly with no air conditioning. But he had to go home and tell his daddy, this was my fault. I, I can't even imagine what kind of story you make up for that one. I, I was just getting a hamburger, Dad, and this, this, this machine jumped out and hit my car. I, mean, I, I don't know how that one works. Wow, how did this happen to me? I didn't do anything to deserve this. Can I tell you this? When we don't understand why and the hows of what things has gone on in our lives, trust in God. Stop leaning to your own understanding and trusting God. That's what Joseph did. While in prison, through a series of events, Joseph, through the Spirit, interprets some dreams, and one of those dreams was the Pharaoh's. So now we've got Joseph, man. This guy's just, he's on a roller coaster, some ups and downs in his life. The good thing is, though, he's not your average Joe. He's different. 
The Pharaoh was so impressed that he made Joseph in charge of Egypt. There was a drought coming, and everything in Egypt was to be put in Joseph's charge. He began to store up food in every city because of the impending drought. For seven years, Joseph gathered and stored up food. After two years into the drought, his brothers came to Egypt to buy food. Now, you got to remember, he was 17 when he was thrown into a pit. Isn't that the way this always happens? The one who did you wrong, the one that did something against you, all of a sudden, they need you now. <laughs> they need you. And you're like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I got something for you. It's called a knuckle sandwich. You want to eat? Here we go. That's not what Joseph did, though, is it? Now Joseph's brothers are looking to buy food, and they've come to Joseph. There's a whole lot more to this story, and I know I've skipped through some of it and everything, but I believe that Joseph's was just a little bit ornery to his brothers, too. If you read the script, you read the story, there were some things in there I thought, I did that. I'd, I'd have thrown him in prison. That would have been me right there. I'd lock him up. <laughs> Don't be nice to him. Kick him a couple times, too, while you're there. Maybe he's putting them through a test. Or just maybe he's thinking about a little revenge. Maybe God had some time there to talk to him about it. Joseph is faced with the decision, do I serve them or do I get revenge? Do I forgive or do I let unforgiveness be to my demise? How many knows what the word demise means? Death. Death. Do I help them or do I let them get what they deserve? Do I feed them or do I let them die? Do I forgive them or do I harbor hate in my heart? It seems like almost every day there's a reason for all of us to hold on to something. It seems like every day there's a driver that does me wrong. It seems like every day there's a restaurant that does me wrong. I don't hear any amens, but I'm just telling you, the slow, the, the workers and everything, now you, you got three people running Denny's. How many knew Denny's was the slowest restaurant in the world, and now you put three people in there? You're never getting food. You forget it. When you go in there, take your camping gear and just get it all out and just take a nap while you wait. Take your sleeping bag. It's going to be a while. And there's only three people in the restaurant working. There's only three customers in there. It's going to take a while. Some things are a whole lot more serious than that. Going through serious issues, different things going to. And it seems like every day you could find something where somebody's doing something to you. That there's a reason for all of us to hold on to a feeling, sometimes of neglect, maybe a feeling of someone's doing us wrong, or feelings of uh, rejection. I find that there's plenty of people ready to do me wrong every day. How many knows that's why we need grace? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. But so few people are ready to turn the other cheek and just forgive. God, help us to forgive. I've been the pastor of this church for almost two and a half years. And without a doubt, I've preached on this subject more than anything other. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I give myself plenty of time today because I knew what I was preaching about. I sat in my office last night. The Spirit of God was so strong in there. Working on my heart. 
given me this word, forgiveness. You can spin it a lot of different ways, but Joseph had to have forgiveness. There's no other way he's going to take care of his brothers that did him wrong, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. From that, everything else, he had bad things happen to him, all because of this incident. But God keeps bringing this to me. Whether it's here, you're here at the church today, or watching on Facebook, forgiveness is a must in your life. You can't harbor it. It makes you bitter. It makes you cold until it kills you. Lord, help us today. I don't know everything that's going on in your life to here today. But I want you to know I care for you. I love you. I hurt when you hurt. I heard somebody give this analogy the other day. You hurt your hand. You hurt your fingers. What do you do? You start dancing around. <laughs> it hurt. But the whole body moved because the hand hurt. When you hurt, I hurt. When I hurt, I hope you're hurting. Right now, I'm hurting for this church. God keeps bringing the same message over and over and over about forgiveness and unforgiveness being harbored in our heart. Holy Ghost, touch us today, Lord. Let us release what's been done against us, Lord. We didn't deserve it. It's not our fault. But, Lord, it's stuck inside of us and we don't want it anymore. Glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for caring about us. Thank you, Jesus, for putting it on my heart again. I rejoice when you rejoice. I hurt when you hurt. But I still don't know everything you go through. I don't understand everything you go through. That doesn't mean I don't hurt. That doesn't mean I don't care. But what I do know is God. He's knocking at your heart's door today. He's brought a message again today. He's given you the opportunity again today for you to open the door and let God bring peace into your hurts and your unforgiveness. Joseph was betrayed by his own family members. Some of you have experienced the same things from your own family members. A betrayal that wasn't your fault. You didn't deserve it. Nonetheless, you've endured it. Joseph had seemingly every right to be bitter, to spew out venomous words, and to never forgive. 
I mentioned earlier that Joseph was 17 when he was thrown into the pit. He was 39 years old before he faced his brothers again. 22 years before he was face to face with it again. Listen to what Joseph told his brothers in Genesis 45 and 5. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. What doesn't seem fair, can I tell you, has made you a stronger person. Am I saying that God meant all these things to happen to you? No, but I know this much, what happens to you, God cares about, and he will turn it to his good. Yeah. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Just because you've been hurt doesn't mean that you have to live in that situation the rest of your life. It doesn't have to define who you are. In this life, you may have scars from that hurt. Listen to this, but the scars are only there to remind you that you're healed. Scars are only there to remind you that you're healed. You could be healed today in the name of Jesus. Don't reopen wounds every time you see that person and let bitterness and unforgiveness back in. If God's love and his grace and his mercy was enough to save you, it's enough to keep you, protect you, and heal you. Jeremiah 31 and 3 said, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. That means he will never stop loving you. Somebody needs to hear that today. Get it in your spirit. God loves you. Just because bad things have happened does not mean God stopped loving you. He still loves you. He's not going to stop loving you. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. I read this earlier. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That means you have the right amount of grace for every one of your problems. You have the right amount of grace for every one of your problems. Lamentations 3 and 22. Through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed because his, his, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That means his grace is enough. His mercies are enough. And his love will always be there to walk you through the toughest situation. But last but not least, God is faithful he's faithful some may have had a dad to mistreat you for others it may have been another family member or friend but what they did to you is not your fault and was wrong 100% wrong and you're tired of holding on to that hurt that wrong you want to be released by the power of unforgiveness. You need to be released by the power of God for the unforgiveness. You want to live in a freedom that Christ gave us. We're not average Joes. We're not average Joes. Romans 8, 17 says, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. You're not an average Joe. You're an heir of God and an heir of Christ. Hallelujah. Can I say to you, it's time to forgive. Shelly, would you come back? It's time to let it go. God's looking. He's, God's not looking for the average Joe. He's looking for somebody that will stand up and look past the problems. He's looking for someone today that will rise above the circumstances and situations that wasn't your fault. He's looking for someone that will love like he loves. He's looking for people that will forgive like he forgives. Joseph had a choice to forgive or not to forgive. But guess what? Joseph wasn't your average Joe. He chose forgiveness. Every right not to. In this world's standards, he chose forgiveness. I just wanted to say a couple of things, then I'm going to stop. When we forgive, it gives us freedom and releases us from the guilt of whatever happened to us. Somebody asked them, Pastor, why, why is it so hard for us to freely hand out forgiveness? Sometimes we don't forgive correctly. Well, how, do, how does that happen? When we finally hand out forgiveness, we say things like, you know you hurt me, right? <laughs> so you know you're going to pay, right? You're going to get yours. I know I watched too much Three Stooges. It was always about giving them. Before that, it was Jackie Gleason and Bang Zoom. He was always... I'll say I'm sorry if you'll tell me why you did it. Can you imagine if Jesus would have told us the same thing? He loves us in spite of ourselves. He wants us to show the same kind of love. Not that we agree with it. Not that we think it's right if people are doing things wrong. But we continue to love. We continue to forgive. God wants forgiveness to be free, no strings attached, no demands. I believe there's a physical and emotional consequence for unforgiveness. And I know there's spiritual consequences for unforgiveness. Will you stand with me? Matthew 6, 14 says this. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses... Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. First John 4.20 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? I know they're familiar scriptures. I know you think, oh, I know them, Drew. I, same old scriptures. I've heard them. Got it. Got it. It's the word of God. It's speaking life today. It's not going to return void. Now, you have a choice here today. You say, well, Drew, that's not me today. Well, it may be your neighbor. God didn't give me this for me to come in and preach and, and it not land on somebody. It landed on me first. But it's for each and every one of us. Because if you're not going through this right now, you're going to. Without a doubt, you're a human being. You're going to experience these feelings. 
Today, I want us to find a place, place to pray. I don't want us to ask God, God, let us apply this message to our heart. God, let me love like you love. Let me forgive like you forgive, because I'm not your average Joe. I'm an heir of God. I'm a child of the King. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I ask you today, Lord, as we come and seal this sermon, Lord, in our hearts, I ask you, Lord, that it's taken root, Lord, deep inside of us. God, that forgiveness is the first thing that comes to our mind when we're done wrong. I ask you, Lord, for the deep-rooted issues in our life, Father, that we haven't forgiven for. God, reveal them to us. And I ask you, Lord, to give us grace and mercy as we forgive, Lord. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for bringing it to our attention again today. I pray all these things in Jesus' name to help us, Father. Help us, Father. Would you find a place to pray?